Welcome back to That's the Second Millennium, the podcast where we discuss uh, issues of the frontier between faith and science, and uh, we discuss the philosophy that we need to bridge between them. We're uh, very privileged here to be talking to Chris Baglow and Jay Martin of the Science and Religion Initiative of the McGrath Institute for Church Life here at the University of Notre Dame. So the McGrath Institute um, has a major initiative to uh, bring to especially high school science teachers in Catholic schools mm-hmm. um, yeah. across the country mm-hmm. uh, some uh, sort of perspective and how would you like to put that? Yeah, so we, we work with teachers and help them engage in integrating their curriculums, mm-hmm. their curricula in faith and science, yeah. in religion classes and then also in science classes to mm-hmm. basically create a dialogue at each school that we serve mm-hmm. between the two disciplines that the teachers are Capable of leaving. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, to be able to discuss that competently, and it's, and it's chiefly at the high school level. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Although, the, the earlier you can get it, the better, but uh, one thing at a time. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, that, that speaks to me a great deal because that's, that's been my own personal journey through faith was that, you know, I started out with the, the idea that science was on this track and religion was on this track. Um, and never the twain shall meet, with the result, of course, that by the age of, like, 14, I was a thoroughgoing atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, so that's that's addressing a key, I, I suspect is addressing a key need. I don't exactly have the statistics to back that up. But, uh, yeah, we do, and you're right. You do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why we're having this interview right here and right now. So, uh, yeah. So, um, and you've just gotten back from quite a while down in Louisiana, some strategically timed uh, trip to Louisiana. Oh, yes. to do, uh Yeah, we were down there the, the, the first full week of January mm-hmm. for the Gulf Coast Faith Formation Conference, which is a big okay. event down there that serves uh, a large region of dioceses mm-hmm. in the Gulf South. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we, were, uh, we, we put on an event there on overcoming the myth of conflict between faith and science. Right. And a similar themed conference was given at a high school in mm-hmm. New Orleans, Holy Cross High School, mm-hmm. which um, has been a, a great partner for us in terms of the work that we do in faith and science, a school that's really kind of mm-hmm. taken the vision of the Science and Religion Initiative and run with it at their school. Mm-hmm. And they had also invited other schools there. So about 160 participants at the Gulf Coast Conference and then 116, 120 mm-hmm. at the Holy Cross event. Mm-hmm. And and those were also chiefly from the the Gulf and the Southern regions. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Science and religion teachers, the whole faculty of Holy Cross actually participated mm-hmm. uh, in the second event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, we sort of stereotypically think of people in the South as you know sometimes sometimes coming in more on the religion without science side as opposed to the mm-hmm. science without religion side. Yeah. Yeah. Not the Catholics. Not the Catholics. Right. 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 And the initiative also hosts during the summer a uh, uh, more in-depth and longer-term introduction to these topics for teachers from around the country. Am I right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We have three uh, seminars every summer. Mm-hmm. One here, one down in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and then the second, the third one, which is a more advanced seminar for schools that are have been through one of the two foundation yeah. programs um, uh, called Capstone. So we have Foundations Notre Dame. For mm-hmm. a week, Foundations of New Orleans, which lasts about the same, mm-hmm. and then Capstone, which is shorter, about a half a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, three or four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, what what uh, what do you do at each of these? You know, is is there a difference between the Notre Dame and New Orleans ones? Is there a, and a, and then what do you do that's different at the Capstone? Um, 
But yeah. what, what issues do you discuss? You're in Notre Dame, Dame or? Yeah, so the Foundations of Notre Dame, it is a, a sort of lecture-based kind of format mm-hmm. where we bring in uh, a handful of some of the best, uh, you know, most prominent researchers uh, at top-tier universities, research, research universities, uh, to, to, to talk about um, faith and science as it pertains to their own discipline. Mm-hmm. So we we have um, we have a biologist, we have a physicist, we sometimes will have a chemist or an astronomer, um, philosophers, theologians, mm-hmm. uh, and we we tend to spend about I guess about two thirds of our time in the in the sort of lecture seminar question and answers, um, and there's a, a reading component that leads up to the the Foundations of Notre Dame seminar that prepares them for the material they'll get in the key in the keynote. The, the remaining third is devoted to. Um, Sort of implementation workshops where the mm-hmm. teachers from the schools each, each school applies with uh, a track of three teachers, usually a science, um, two scientists, mm-hmm. uh, and one of the requirements to get their their stipend or their, yeah. their own area, um, is to produce a integrated lesson plan, mm-hmm. which we've over the last uh, two years have been archiving and building a, a sort of broad web platform to distribute these, um, mm-hmm. and so. We tend to be a more sort of humanities-focused uh, event at Notre Dame, unlike Foundations uh, New Orleans, which Chris designed mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and so Foundations New Orleans, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. We use many of the same texts. Each each event has an eight-week online reading phase Okay. that's Prior moderated the... by, yeah, by, by veterans who have kind of been at this for a while mm-hmm. um, that goes on in the, for an eight-week period before the event. Yeah. Foundations New Orleans is... Um, so Foundations Notre Dame is lecture-oriented. Foundations New Orleans is more lab and seminar discussion-oriented. Yeah. So uh, there are many, many Catholic schools now who are entering in their science programs the STEM movement Yeah. Um, following the next-generation science standards and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so we wanted to have an event where some experience of being in the lab yeah. was involved. And so we have three science experiments that are part of the event, one in physics, one in chemistry, and one in biology. Mm-hmm. And these uh, experiments were designed and chosen chosen and designed so that they could actually be a platform for beginning to ask the big questions about mm-hmm. the relationship between faith and science. Yeah. So uh, so that's what our event does. And then we also have, we have some lectures in there too, but we also have a lot of discussion. Mm-hmm. So we, we meet and talk about the various texts that they read in advance and Go from there. Yeah. Well, one of the you know, Foundations of Notre Dame has been more my bailiwick for the last few years. But one of the most impressive things about the New Orleans experience and the, and the lab focus is it, it uh, the lab the labs together with the discussions provide uh, teachers of the you know of different disciplines to have the sort of experience of coming to knowledge mm-hmm. in the other field. So we have theologians who are doing you know um, different you know lab experiments and and. Mm-hmm. Maybe for the first time in a number of years, yeah. can can have the experience of coming to knowledge. Like this is what it means to have to gain scientific knowledge. Yeah. And then in the seminar discussions, where we're talking about you know theological or philosophical texts, uh, the scientists for maybe the first time in a number of years again have yeah. like well, this is what theological knowledge looks like when it's yeah. coming together. Right. And it's a powerful thing. I, I was really blown away the first time I went down to FNO to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would be very potent combination there. Mm-hmm. And then, so what does the capstone um, So the experience? capstone event is 
we, we choose a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, the first one in 2017 uh, is, was on quantum mechanics. Um, sure. Mysteries, Quantum and Divine. I think yes. that was the, uh, with Steve Barr. With Stephen yeah, Barr. Stephen Barr. Yeah. Um, uh, last year was on the new atheism with David okay. Bentley Hart. And this summer, we have a number of presenters who are coming to talk about human consciousness and reason as it relates mm-hmm. to human origins and artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. So, and so we have actually there's three things going on in the capstone. You've got the theme and the presenters on that. Yeah. We invite administrators from these schools, and mm-hmm. they have a special track which is about helping them learn how to intentionally mm-hmm. bring faith and science into dialogue across their school's curriculum. Yeah, uh, and then also more, you know, kind of best practices for the teachers who come. Some breakouts on how to, you know, mm-hmm. how to really do, uh, you know, bring bring this to bear in the classroom. Yeah, an yeah. improvement. Yeah, know. and Jake, Jake had more. Well, just uh, Capstone it was designed for basically a, a second step after foundations. Yeah. So the majority of our teachers, uh, I mean, maybe, maybe two thirds. Uh, are teachers that have gone through the, either Foundations Notre Dame or New Orleans. We do have some schools that apply that already have very developed science and religion kind of integration at their schools, and yeah. we kind of shuttle them from the F&O or Foundations applications to Capstone. Yeah. So we have, uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating kind of dynamic because we have schools that have, are familiar with our programming or already have a degree of certification that would be um, sort of unmotivated, under-motivated at the Foundation Seminars. So people hit the ground running in a way that, that we, ha- we haven't really experienced yet mm-hmm. um, with our foundations programming. So it, it's it's really it's really fantastic. It's a very intimate kind of setting. We have discussion sessions that follow that kind of go into three tracks. We have the like as Chris mentioned, the administrative track. Then we have an integration track, which we have a curricular expert talk about how how could you create you know curricula based on what we just heard in the lecture mm-hmm. uh, and talk about strategies and ways to look at the sort of pedagogical process. And, but then we also have an academic track, which is for the more nerdy among us, myself included, <laughs> who want to talk about the issues that were discussed in greater depth with the speaker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. and th- that's been really wonderful. Yeah. All three have been really successful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that is a great... Yeah, to sort of break that, you know, because you can, you can, I mean, of course, you know, my experience is probably a little extreme, but, you know, being that sort of isolated person of faith, even, even in the context of being at a Catholic school, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not, you know, not ever bridging that, you know, letting some of the inside out and actually seeing, you know, like, does this make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm worried about this yeah. or, you know, or I'm curious about this. And I've always wondered this myself. Does this make any sense to anyone else? Yeah. Is that a growing trend among Catholic schools uh, to understand the value of teaching this kind of interdisciplinarity and synthesis? Yeah, actually, recent data from the John Templeton Foundation, which funds our whole yeah. programming, yeah. Um, shows that a significant number of schools, at least in the respondents that they've had for a recent study that CARA did, funded by Templeton, yeah. uh, say that they're that they're beginning that they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help schools do it better. Yeah. Um, to do it with good information, good resources from you know from leaders in the fe- in their fields. Yeah. Um, from people like Brother Guy Consolmagno, who has been on your yeah. podcast before. Yeah. Stephen yeah. Barr, the president of the, of the Society of yeah. Catholic Scientists. Yeah. Somebody like Dr. Dan Keebler at Franciscan University, is the head of the biology department there and runs a lab there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Uberg from Harvard, who yeah. uh, 
who also in the leadership right, of the Society right. of Catholic Scientists. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that you, so that we have, you know, um, the scientists there to help them really groom their teaching. You know, yeah. it's, it's one thing to have the intention and even to make an attempt at integrating faith and science. Yeah, it's another way to do it well. Yeah, uh, in a way that yes. doesn't promote pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah, or in a way, you know, that uh, that isn't just sort of. That, that kind of glosses over the questions and some of the sh- and some of the sharp detail yeah. And, yeah. And, and and careful reflection that needs to be given to them. Yeah. And, and, I mean, one thing that we found, in addition to just the expertise, mm-hmm. and, you know, th- there's the sort of uh, the content that, that they gain, but also there's a sort of reassurance that I'm here with a Harvard astrochemist who is an expert on planetary, uh, planetary formation. Uh, those are huge. But yeah. one of the most fascinating things, and, and really, frankly, encouraging is this, how quickly a sense of camaraderie is built up at, mm-hmm. at these schools with people who come, who come especially those who come twice mm-hmm. and who in the second round come with their administrators yeah they by the time they leave a lot of these schools have a vision of what they want to do they have kind of assurances of the goodwill of their colleagues and administrators to do it so yeah. the, the, the the recent institute day we had at Holy Cross High School was really born out of their experience coming to foundations and then coming to, to capstone with with their Principal or president right. of the school, yes. and they yeah. and they were champing at the bit to get going, and they did it. I mean, they're, they're yeah. It was an amazing event, la, you know, last month, and um, just remarkable things are happening at, at the schools who are bold enough to really work hard at doing this well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, to kind of wrap around mm-hmm. these more wide impact events that we have called Institute Days. Mm-hmm. Come out of kind of grow naturally out of these summer seminars. Yeah, teachers come and they invariably say, "I wish my colleagues had been here to hear this. Right. I wish they had a chance to share this." Yeah. And uh, they they you know often then will ask us to come. Yeah. And so we'll come with a team. Yeah. And spend a day with their faculty. Yeah. And you know and just give them a general understanding. Yeah. You know talks yeah. like. Catholicism and Evolution by Stephen Barr. Yeah. I do one on science and the Bible. Yeah. Um, Corey Hayes from St. Joseph Seminary College down in Louisiana does one on Galileo. Yeah. You know, uh, and just so let's make sure everybody on the faculty is able to get good information about this that's, you know what I mean, that's broad enough that the major questions are addressed. Yeah. Now, Chris is not going to mention this, but uh, (laughs) before he began working for, for the SRI, um, he wrote a textbook, oh, yeah. really the first textbook on on uh, science and religion for Catholic high schools. Yeah, it came at an unfortunate time in which the the, the bishop's curriculum for high schools was, was being solidified and did not include this component. But yeah. one of the, one of the things that's so impressive about the textbook, and, and we've seen schools use it. Yeah, um, some of the schools that we've worked with have it as a regular textbook for an elective course. Yeah, courses that use it are developed at our seminars. Is it, it, it gives it's a sort of concrete example that you can that this has already been done mm-hmm. um, as a sort of foundation. Yeah. And part of our, our recent grant term, Chris wrote a second edition, and we're it, that's with the editors at the uh, press now. We're developing an ebook, mm-hmm. and then we're going to be developing uh, additional institute days that focus on how to use if a school were to develop a course around the textbook, how they could do it effectively. Mm-hmm. So we have we have uh, I think a critical mass of resources of relationships with schools and teachers and administrators and also adjacent societies, Society yeah. of Catholic Scientists, Lumen Christi Institute at the University of Chicago, yeah. uh, Catholic University of America, who really are interested in uh, in this kind of edu- in this kind of 
educational movement, and we have the resources, and we're continuing to develop them to make this easier. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still early days yet. Hopefully. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it seemed one thing that I've noticed. So when I when I wrote the textbook, right. Um, I, I I actually did it. It's a long story, but I did it as a request from a Catholic high school. And we mm-hmm. go to Lincoln Catholic High School in Mobile, Alabama, as a curriculum for them. Yeah. And, after, and in the proposal, I, I, I asked for permission uh, if I could seek publication, which Midwest Theological Forum yeah. published it in 2009. Yeah. But at the time, I really felt like I had created maybe a boutique item yeah. for that small percentage of Blue Ribbon Catholic schools that have decided we are going to stake the future of our school's excellence uh-huh. on the best science curriculum we can, we can produce yeah, and we'd like to have something in religion. Yeah, that's that answers to the that. Complements that. Yeah. Um, however, over the you know over the past ten years since the book was published, yeah. more and more schools are moving precisely in the direction that McGill Tulin was trying to move in mm-hmm. back in two thousand five when they first asked me to do it. Yeah. Um, so the relevance of the topic is becoming more and more. You know, uh, clear, yeah. more obvious yeah. to Catholic educators, yeah. and to the bishops as well. I, I, in November, I went to the U.S. Conf- the USCCB, U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops meeting at the mm-hmm. request of Bishop Robert Barron mm-hmm. and his Committee on Catechesis and Evangelization to talk about faith and science, yeah. and the disaffiliated young Catholics, yeah. those who are no longer practicing their faith, and a large majority of whom cite the conflict between science and religion is the reason they don't. Yeah. 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 So there seems to be to answer to answer your question, Bill, there seems to be a burgeoning sort of movement in that direction. And the demand for our programming has kind of given anecdotal evidence of that. There's yeah. a lot of more people sort of looking for this kind of thing. Yeah. I ran three years of a Templeton funded seminar on faith and science from twenty eleven to twenty thirteen, sp- mm-hmm. uh, sponsored by Templeton and McGill Tulin. Okay. Um, and it took me, I can't even, I can't tell you how many hours it took me just to recruit enough schools yeah. to actually have the event. Yeah. Now, I mean, every year more than double the amount of schools we can actually, uh, host yeah. for our summer seminars apply. Yeah. We have to turn away far, you know, and yeah. it's kind of sad, but far, so many schools just because we just don't have space. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that you know that begs for either either just turning over the dad blame football stadium to it, or, <laughs> or you know for for universities across the country to start picking this up and, and expanding right. expanding that to be because yeah, I mean it's I mean yeah, and and that's and that's interesting. I have always wondered about that statistic about well, I mean the the idea that there's so many so many students cite or so many young you know, young former Catholic. Uh, cite this idea that you know that there's the conflict between science and religion. And I always wonder. I always wonder how many of them. I mean, have have even thought about it that deeply, and how often it's sort of that's what they say, and it's actually a proxy for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, in my own life, I have my own you know kind of struggle between you know, I mean, just a sort of existential despair, which you know, sort of part and parcel of the modern world in any case, and right. maybe the human condition in general. Um, it was just too much hope. It was too much to hope for, and so, that somehow, somehow this Bible track and this science track could somehow it was it was that there's a fundamental yeah sense that there's and so I almost see what you're doing is in a way sort of at the service of the virtue of hope in terms <laughs> yeah. of 
Yeah, yeah in fact, there might there might actually be an answer. No more profound compliment could be given. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just to put make that yeah. a little more concrete. I mean, that's the, a very prominent feature of our feedback is teachers who come from school saying, "I thought I was the only one." Yeah, and I'm not. And I'm, you know, and, and right. especially teachers who come from schools where they don't have a lot of support structure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even schools will say, "We thought we were the only ones doing this. We thought we yeah. were the only ones who didn't buy that science and religion have nothing to do with each other." Or, yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's a fascinating thing. And I think, with respect to hope, a lot of teachers leave here not just eager to teach in integrated in an in- integrated ways about science and religion, but to, to mm-hmm. teach in general that they can do something mm-hmm. that they only maybe hope they could do. Mm-hmm. thought was notionally possible before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, of course, why Why I wanted to name the podcast, that's so second millennium, to sort of take a, <laughs> to sort of take a, a wide, maybe Ratzingerian a sweep across history, is that I think, you know, the second millennium almost, I mean, I think one strand of it is that, you know, there was the institutional church, and it it, it became a hypocritical church, in a broad sense, being welded to the political state um, and the wealth and privilege that come with that. And then the, the last 500 years, the second half of the second millennium has really been about the sort of reaction of, you know, the Protestant Reformation, angry at that. But, of course, the Protestant church has become so embedded in the state as well that there's then the, you know, the movement toward, you know, on the one hand, ever ever more splintering Protestant denominations and, on the other hand, simply toward, you know, what we what we now call progressivism, it's gone by however many names at this point, the Enlightenment and you know liberalism and progressivism, but the, some of this, I mean, so much of that is it's trying to be more Christian than Christian. It's yeah. it's almost an, um, yeah. and that's and I think and I think there is that sort of psychological impulse deep below, mm-hmm. you know, this this sort of more surface issue. I mean. Have you read Lawrence Krauss's A Universe from Nothing? Mm-hmm. Or attempted to read that book? Um, I've had, a, I've had a, at least a novice's introduction to it. Yeah. yeah. I, I read that book a number of years back, and it was one of the things that I came away from the book, first of all, wishing that I picked up this book because I wanted to learn some physics, and you did not spend nearly <laughs> enough of this book teaching me physics. Yeah. Second of all, my God, what has that man's life been like? Because he does not want God to exist. No, he yeah, practically yeah, yeah, yeah. screams it yeah. from oh, certain pages. I bet, I, I, okay, so this is, <laughs> this, is, this is wild speculation, and sure. I'm happy to be told I'm wrong. Yeah. But my experience is that many people who think that way, yeah. who wish God doesn't want to exist, if you ask them yeah. who God is or what God do you wish does not exist, right. and they gave you a definition, yeah. you would agree with them. <laughs> you would not, well, yeah, yeah. No, please, please. I sure hope that. I hope if that, to God if there that's is what not, God yeah. is, that God doesn't exist too. I hope there's not words, an angry white man in a chair right, yeah, sitting right, on a cloud exactly. somewhere, Absolutely. you know, throwing, you know, yeah. hellfire and damnation at people. Yeah, I hope not. When I, when I, when I talked to the bishops about this, yeah, I was asked actually. I was asked by Bishop Barron if I would share five questions that people ask the most about faith and science. Yeah. And instead, I decided to share the questions that they never ask. Right. But I wish that they would. <laughs> yes. Because it seems yeah. to me that part of our responsibility here, and I'm talking about not just the Science of Religion Initiative, I'm talking about yeah. Catholics today, yeah. is to instigate better questions uh, about yes. God and meaning. Yes. Because yeah. people are asking the wrong kind of questions. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're, they're yeah. attacking a straw dog version of, I mean, yeah, that 
you know, that 700 years ago no one believed in. That's just right, like, exactly. Just like, I mean, was it, was it Father Ehrman yesterday who was talking about, yeah. um, you know, the no one in the 15th century thought the world was flat. No one. Yeah, right, right. You know? Yeah. Even, even, even deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, um, so nobody ever asked, what do you mean when you say God creates everything? Right. God's right. the creator the of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is, okay, do you mean that God is is some kind of like mechanic in the sky, like right. an all powerful engineer, right. or you know, micro uh, an all powerful micromanager of complex processes in the universe? Right. I mean, if that's what you mean, yeah. then the the Christian tradition is univocable. Univ- I mean, uh, unanimous rather mm-hmm. in rejecting such an idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. As soon as I can say what it is, I'm not talking about God anymore. As soon as I can comprehend it, yeah. Uh, as soon as I can come out and yeah. say, you know, uh, yeah, th- then I'm then I'm then I'm completely off the mark. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think this brings up one of the real virtues of how our speakers, and, and this is, I think, one of the the chief virtues of Chris's textbook, and 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 now as as he's transitioned to be our director, which, which is really permeates our programming. Is an insistence on, on sort of epistemic humility. Yeah. Is, is we want to say, tell people, give them ways to think about these questions. We don't want to give a definitive version that they go home and recite and yeah. have their students recite and their students recite to their friends and their parents and their families, whatever. Yeah. What we want to do is to say, look, is begin with, with a, I think, a fundamental, what feels like a concession, but it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. This is hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to read scripture. Yeah, and figure out how, what it has to do with what we know scientifically, and what what Chris's book models and our speakers, especially Stephen Barr and, and all of them, really, is that whatever the science and religion dialogue is, it's not about the creation of a sort of authoritarian or even an official sort of discourse. Yeah. What we're really talking about is showing people if you know what. Scripture even says about itself, and what the, the Catholic tradition especially says about what Scripture is, mm-hmm. then you can think more clearly through what it has to say about the created world and its status and its relationship to God yeah. and the relationship between human beings. It's, but, but it begins with a, a sort of baseline commitment to epistemic humility that, that anyone who's going to succeed in the dialogue has to practice. And we hope to model that. Um, Being willing yeah. to say, I don't know. Yeah, which is... Which you know, is Crucial to being a scientist. Oh, sure, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and uh, ironically enough, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you were mentioning the science in the Bible. Yeah, yeah this, the science in the Bible tracks would seem to run parallel, like in geometry. Yeah, you know, two never, parallel never lines. The that twain never shall meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that brings me to another question I, I share with the bishops that I never get asked. Yeah, when did science and religion enter into conflict? Right. Everybody assumes they've always been in conflict. Right. They assume that somehow intrinsic to their definition is some kind of conflict. Yeah. They don't realize that this is the product of late 19th century American anti-Catholicism <laughs> in one, Among one other case, things, yeah. yeah. But yeah or ridiculous. also political yeah. maneuvering to justify secular education. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, th- those kinds of things, and we get to address those with teachers. Yeah. It's very, very, the joy of discovery Mm-hmm. That's involved for the teachers when they read the text that we do, when they get to hear from yeah. our presenters, is fantastic. It's very exciting. It's like when I brought my 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 two youngest children to Disney World for the first time. Right? You know what I mean? And I saw my daughter's <laughs> face when she saw Cinderella's Castle. Yeah. And yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. 
that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, maybe not as exciting and magical as that, but but, <laughs> but just as exciting, maybe not as magical. because we're all jaded adults. That's so right. Let us so much of a show on the outside sometimes. But yeah. but, to, but to instigate a sense of wonder about these things. Yeah. 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 Routinely, teachers will like when we do institute days for professional development. They'll thank us mm-hmm. for for treating them like adults. Well, then there's that. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> for giving them handy. a chance to yeah, hear that's... and to be part of a dialogue that's yeah. significant, that's important, that touches yeah. their disciplines, but also their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, it does. Yeah, and it prepares them for a good university experience along the lines that universities were designed for from the very beginning, right? To kind of inculcate that sense of wonder that all of these fields of information somehow fit together. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and historically speaking, I mean, that's the other side, because, of course, that's the second millennium is a deliberately ambiguous title. But another side of it is, is... you know, the positive side, like what was the almost the first task that universities accomplished was this integration of, you know, Orthodox, right. Catholic, Christianity, and Aristotelianism. Right. There is a way to do both of these at the same time that's logically consistent. And, you know, and of course Thomas Aquinas, I, I remember reading a little bit of Aquinas in high school and just being blown away that of, of just how careful he is to bring the very best versions of other people's arguments into his discourse and then answer them, and do his absolute best to harmonize them. Now, and, and I think what's so instructive, uh, in addition to Aquinas, is the confidence he brings. He brings oh, yeah. the, the full confidence in the faith, and it's, and it's sort of explanatory power, to the very best of, you know, se- you know secular philosophy. Yeah. I mean, he, the, the, yeah. The, I don't think he ever it really seems to entertain the possibility that something will be raised by Aristotle or by the, the Arabic philosophers that Christianity can't account for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. that sort of confidence, which isn't, which is, it, it's it's a humble optimism. Right. Um, it's not it, his doing that not, that's going yeah, to it's not his. Yeah. He doesn't possess it. It's something that, he, you know, he has kind of constituted himself in a certain way. Yeah. And that's something that we hope to, to kind of instill. Like, you, yeah. you should have confidence in the faith to, it may be hard, but you have, the, the, the Christianity is not going to be surprised by the findings of evolu- you know, some evolutionary conclusion. Right. right. But in fact, we should be excited about whatever we discover in the sciences. Right. Yeah. 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 And that you know, and that it's fascinating in some sense. I mean, to take evolution for example. I mean, is is there a more interesting way of unpacking a line of scripture than you know that line in Genesis two about and he sculpted a man out of mud? Right. Which right. I mean, pretty early on, I kind of scratched my head. So you're angry about saying that we descended from apes, right? Yeah. Because you prefer the dis- because you prefer the description where we were created directly out of mud, right? Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah in fact, um, and this is just this is just a really interesting. You know, yeah. we've actually gotten to learn some of the details about how that sculpting process That's happened. Right. Yeah. Actually, blessed John Henry Newman was on that. As mm-hmm. we say, I'm from Louisiana. Right, like, he, white, was he was on that. Like, he was on that like white on rice. rice that's, on a, that's a Louisiana. <laughs> thing. Uh, yeah, because yeah. he was. I had he, no idea. He actually lived. On that. Yeah. I mean, he, he he lived through that era. Yeah, he produced. Uh, I mean, one of the greatest works of modern Catholic theology, uh-huh. the essay on development of Christian doctrine, yeah. which perceives something like evolution happening within our understanding of the faith, of progressing right. and specifying yeah. a, a higher complexity. Mm-hmm. It was 13 or 14 years before Darwin produced The Origin of Species. There's that, yeah. And what he did, he was asked by a free church, a free, is it Free Kirk or Free Church, Jay? I don't know. Free Church minister mm. by, le- by a letter that he received. 
Yeah. You know, if we could accept what Darwin was saying about yeah. that. And he goes, he says, um, he says, uh, uh, you know, this idea of human beings coming from the, mm-hmm. the limus in Latin, the, the, yeah. the mud. Yeah. He says, well, it just probably took millions rather than, yeah. you know, moments. Right. Millions of years rather than moments. Right. Already he had the same kind of, you know, yeah. sort of understanding. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that's not, yeah. That's not that huge challenge to, yeah. Right. Yeah. Join us next week for the conclusion to this interview where Jay and Chris talk about more of the effects, the broader effects that they hope to see from the science and religion initiative in the schools they serve. This has been another episode of That's So Second Millennium with me, Paul Giesting, geologist and intellectual pilgrim, and my co-host, the journalist and consultant, Bill Schmidt. Be sure to check us out at tssm.podbean.com. We hope you subscribe and leave us a review via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. As always, thanks for listening.